Thank you for joining us to hear today's message. At Faith Assembly, our passion and purpose is loving people to life in Christ. To find out more information, visit our website, faithnewcumberland.com. We've been looking at the Bible, God's words of life, and uh, what that means, you know. And so uh, the Bible can be very intimidating, right? It's a big book, lots of books inside of there. And um, as a pastor, I want to help you to, to do your best to understand to approach the Bible with a little more confidence that, you know, I can read the Bible. You know, I can read and allow God to speak to me through his word. And uh, hearing God's word proclaimed is awesome, and it's one way to hear God's word, but it's great to be able to read his word and hear God speaking to you and encouraging you with scriptures. And uh, Dave was sharing with our worship team this morning how many times we read a scripture many times, and then sometimes God just gives shines a little bit different light on it. And you're like, wow, I never saw that. Or you, you read a different ver, version or translation. You're like, wow, I never realized that. So I encourage you to get into God's word. Maybe you've never read the Bible. Maybe you've, you know, you've always said, oh, I love to read through the Bible. Well, maybe make that as a, as a goal. You know, you just, you want to take the next uh, few months and re- really be strategic and systematic about reading the Bible and reading through the Bible. And there's lots of uh, resources. I'd uh, point you to the One Direction. If you if you download this app, it's called Uversion. Uversion app on your phone. All the different operating systems. You can download pretty much any translation of the Bible. And then what's really neat, they have a lot of Bible reading plans. Because a lot of people will be like, where do I start? What do I read? And so they have topical reading plans. Maybe if you're struggling with depression, you're struggling with just uh, family issues or marital issues, you can you can develop. There's a plans on there for marriage. There's plans in there for parenting. There's reading plans for you know overcoming depression. And so you version it's a great resource and encourage you with that. So what is the Bible? Let's do a little review this morning. The Bible is a collection of God's words of life for all people at all times. So when we approach approach the Bible, we're understanding that God's speaking his words of life to us, all right? That words of life is that life is found in obedience to God. If we disobey God, there are consequences. We, uh, we understand that the overarching theme of the Bible is that there's obedience, and at times we disobey. And when there's disobedience, there's consequences, but there's also forgiveness, we read his word and we, we realize that there's forgiveness made possible through Jesus. And then finally, as we read his word, we understand that every word from God directs us to Jesus. You know, we read stories, great stories or historic or heroic stories, and it points us to Jesus. We read stories of, you know, man, how can I ever do that? Or man, I made that same mistake and it draws us to Jesus that we need his grace. We need his mercy. We need the sacrifice that Jesus has provided for us. Last week, we organized the Bible. We took basically your table of contents. That was my goal last week because I know you can, if you open your Bible to the table of contents, you know, it's like, wow, there's a lot of books and there's not really any order except for two chunks, Old Testament, New Testament. So we took the Bible and organize it into sections. So that would be your table of contents right there. It's a little like, wow. So if you go to the next slide, and again, this is really tiny, 
Um, we we kind of handed this out last week. So we broke the Old Testament and New Testament into four pieces each, okay? So four different chapters each. So chapter one in the Old Testament, we talked about creation, calamity, and covenant, those first five books. You can see chapter two, kings and kingdoms. You get to learn about the history of Israel. And then so you can just kind of break apart the chunks of the Bible. So if you think of the Old Testament, four chapters. You think of the New Testament, four chapters. And you begin to kind of group them into themes and the message and the story. And that's kind of what we did last week. So um, so that's a little bit of review there for you and uh, organizing the Bible. Today, we want to begin to look at the history of the Bible. So not just seeing the table of contents and organizing that, but then understanding, okay, where do these books of the Bible fit in God's story? Where do they fit in the history of what God was doing, what God is doing, what God will do? Amen? That God is not finished yet. Isn't that good news? We read the Bible, and it's not like, well, it already happened. We could put that on, the, on, the, uh, on our shelf and like, okay, what's next? No, the Bible is, is like this continuing story. You read the last book of the Bible, and it's future. It's talking about what God's king, coming kingdom, what God's going to do. And it's a message to his church. I encourage you to read the book of Revelation. You know, It says, blessed are those who, who read these words, who hear these words, who obey these words. So, um, so today, that's, that's my goal and my plan to begin to uh, rehearse some of the story of what God's story is all about. Before we do, um, would you play? Oh, no, we won't do that. We'll save that for next time and uh, that video. God's plan for all people. Let's look at the first two acts of the Bible, Acts 1 and Act 2. If you were to break up the Bible, the, the history of God's story into three acts, there'd be Act 1, Act 2, and Act 3. So Here's your sheet. You're probably going to want to look at this and not the screen because the screen got... Look at that. If you, Who can read that? Huh? I can't even read that, and I have glasses, so my eyes are... That's great. So uh, that's why you have this because I was like, that's going to be way too small. So <clears throat> you have this in front of you, and we're going to kind of go through this little by little today. Okay, so we'll, we'll pretty much... Uh, we'll see the Lord willing. We'll probably get almost halfway today, and we'll look at seeing how far we can get next week. As you get to the middle, that's where it gets a little more complicated. See all the books that are kind of sandwiched in there. You get to into the prophets and the minor prophets, major prophets, things like that. So if you were to look at the history of not just the Bible, but God's story, what is God doing? What has God done and what will he continue to do? Act one, God's plan for all people. Okay, the book of Genesis begins to tell us the story of act one of, of what God has done. We see scene one, we see creation, okay? Scene one tells the story of the creation of the world. God created all that there is today. This scene talks about that God is the author of all life, that he is the God of all life. If we were to summarize this, uh, I tried to just arrange scriptures for each of these sections. Genesis 1.1 talks about what God was doing at creation. It says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we see at the very beginning, this act one, scene one, God's on the scene creating something out of nothing. 
God's shouting the gospel at the very beginning of creation. It says that there was nothing. There was, the earth was formless and void and empty, and God created something out of nothing. Isn't that good news? Sometimes our lives can be like that. We, we have a failure. We have a mistake. We have this, and God can take the nothing that in our situation, and he can make something out of it. Amen? Amen. Scene two, we go from creation to the fall where there's a rejection of God's vision for life. And two weeks ago, we kind of rehearsed this a little bit more. We talked about the gospel through the fall and what God was doing. And there's sin, there's rebellion, but God was also bringing restoration. And God was preaching the gospel to them through the fall. And he, he had to sacrifice an animal, animal to cover Adam and Eve with animal skins. And it was a picture of Jesus and his sacrifice. And, and uh, so there was a fall in scene two. Sin is introduced into God's story for the first time. Not just that, but we see what happens when people disobey God. We see that there's consequences, right? The sin of disobedience quickly turns to the sin of murder. So we move from Adam and Eve disobeying God to all of a sudden their offspring. There's Cain and Abel, and Cain kills Abel, right? He's just this kind of jealousy, and there's just there's battle going between them, and you know who has favor with God, and and so Cain goes and kills his brother. So we've seen how the sin cycle begins to. It's like, almost like a snowball. You've ever made a snowman in your backyard? Right, it starts with a little snowflake, and then you make it in a snowball, and then you roll that thing up. And our kids love to do that, you know, and just make it. All of a sudden, it's just like this huge snowball, and all of a sudden, you can see the grass again. Like, oh, the grass is still there. Sin is like that. It's like a snowball. It's like it starts with disobedience, and it it develops. And in the story of of the scriptures, we see this sin developing and growing like this like this cancerous snowball. Here's a verse that summarizes this portion, Genesis 4, 7. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, God's talking to Cain. If you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. The scripture is so necessary and important, even today. You say, oh, the Bible is not relevant today. Let's read that verse again. Genesis 4, 7. If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. That's what it's all about. When you're making decisions and you have A and you have B and you know A is the right thing and B is the wrong thing. And when you do the wrong thing, you know there's a tendency to make that mistake again and again, and again, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you, but you must rule over it. That's why Paul says one of the fruits of the Spirit is what? Self-control. All right, we live in a society that says whatever you want to do, however you want to feel, however, whatever impulse you have, it's okay. Feed that. Feed that impulse. Feed that desire. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says have control over your body. The Bible says have control over your desires. Because if you give in to that, 
If you give in to some of those desires, it's like a, a lion that's going to devour you. So Cain was devoured. He, was, he killed his brother, and, and just you can read that story. So the father's a rejection of God's vision for a life. So we see creation. We see the fall. Scene three, we see the flood. What's the result of all the sin going on? God has to step in. Sin spread like a raging wildfire across the earth. You ever see those pictures of the fires in California and other areas that generally have them? They usually start with just a small small fire, right? It's not someone going around the forest with a blowtorch. You know, it's just like a spark. It's, you know, someone's campfire they just forgot to put out. And that's why there's... There's the bear that says, even you can prevent forest fires, right? I can remember as a kid, it's like you, at Royal Ranger, you had to remember to put that fire out. You had to put dirt on that fire and make sure that fire was all the way out. Because even you, Smokey Bear, says you can prevent forest fires. Well, sin was spreading like this raging fire. It went from Adam and Eve to Cain and Abel. And all of a sudden, everyone throughout the whole earth was sinning and getting caught up in sin and rejecting God. So God had to intervene. He had to bring judgment upon the earth in the form of a massive flood. But by his grace, God saved Noah and his family. And he made a covenant or a commitment with them to preserve and to honor life. Let's look at Genesis 6, verses 5 through 8. I would summarize this section with these Verses, Genesis 6, verses 5 through 8. The Lord saw how great the wickedness. God bless you, honey. I hear sneezing out there. The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth. And that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. Let me pause there, and I would say prophetically, I believe that the end of time will look a lot like this time that we read about here. That there's coming a day when every inclination in the hearts of man will be only for evil. And I feel like I sense that we're seeing that more and more. The things that are celebrated, the things that are promoted, it's, it's flip-flopped, Right? We call evil things good, and we call good things evil. It's in our society. It's in our culture. It's spreading throughout the land. And that's, that's the situation that Noah was in. He, the, everything around them, every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart was only evil all the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on the earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth, the human race I have created. And with them, the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground. For I regret that I have made them. Verse 8, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. Even though the, the land, the, the world around him was devoured by sin and evil, Noah stood out. Noah was set apart. Noah was consecrated unto the Lord. God's calling each of us to step out, to live differently, 
it's easy to get caught up and just be like, well, I'm just going to do what they do, and I'm just going to do what they do. And and then when all of a sudden we just kind of look the same, we act the same, and maybe I, I, I say I'm a Christian, but I'm still living the way everyone else is living. No, if, if you're going to be a follower of Jesus, live differently, all right? Don't try to blend in with the world. We live in the world, but we're not to be of the world, right? Still befriend people and have relationships and love them, but it doesn't mean you have to do what they do. It doesn't mean you have to celebrate what they celebrate and be partake in that. I mean, that, that wasn't Noah. Noah was busy building a boat. He was busy getting his family ready, getting things ready. It says, it says in the New Testament that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He was going around warning people and telling people and, and, and telling them to, to do the right thing. And they're like, ah, they're just kind of laughing at him until the rain started to fall, right? But it was too late. The flood. So we see creation. We see the fall. We see the flood. And Act 1 comes to a close, if you were to kind of organize it that way. So Genesis, <clears throat> we see this act one taking place. Let's go to act two, God's covenant people. We see that after the flood, God makes a covenant with Noah and his family to honor, to preserve life. <clears throat> and eventually God calls out a people devoted to him starting with the, the man Abram, or later to be called, named Abraham. So we see scene one, the people, God calls a covenant people. Genesis 12 through 50 tell the story. Genesis chapters 12 through 50 tell the story of God calling and making a covenant with Abram, a man who had great faith in God. He called Abraham to leave his, his household, to leave his, his homeland, and to go a place he knew nothing about. He just says, follow me. Step out in faith and follow me. And it says that Abraham believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Abraham says, all right, God, if you call me, I will go, and I will do it. God promised Abraham that his descendants would grow, and they would multiply. At that time, Abraham didn't have any descendants. He didn't have any children. And God said, look up at the stars, you know, count the stars. And he, he couldn't count the stars. He says, so shall your descendants be. But Abraham didn't have a child. He didn't have any kids, he even no son, no daughter at that time. But God said, through your offspring will, will the people be blessed. And so God promised Abraham, and he made a covenant, a commitment with him. Genesis 15, 6 is a great verse to think about this scene. Genesis 15, 6, it says, And Abram believed the Lord, and the Lord counted him as righteous because of his faith. The New Testament would, would remind people about the faith of Abraham, that he stepped out, even before the law was given, even before the Ten Commandments and the sacrificial system, even before all of that, there was faith. Would you believe? Would you trust? Would you, will you step out in faith? God said it. Would you believe it? Would you live it? So Genesis. Job is on there. Job doesn't necessarily cover, you know, characters. Or, but many scholars believe that Job was, 
at least written or set in that historical time frame. So we put that in there. And um, <clears throat> so many scholars believe that Acts 2, scene 1, that Job would have been written around that time. Job is a classic piece of wisdom literature that helps us wrestle with the issues of suffering and of the righteous. Have you, have you ever asked the question, why do bad things happen to good people? You know, I'm sure you've been asked that question. Well, why does God allow this to happen? Why does this happen? You know, it's a, it's a natural question that we're kind of, we want to we wanna answer to, right? Well, the book of Job begins to help wrestle with those questions, help us to process through some of those questions. And it's a long book, but man, it's a powerful, it's actually written in more of a poetry style. And it's talking about God's justice and God's sovereignty and trust him no matter what, no matter what the circumstances and situations look like, trust the Lord. So act two, scene one comes to a close. Let's look at scene two, deliverance. So God raises up his people. He, he makes a covenant with them. His people multiply. Generations after Abraham, God's people find themselves in a place called Egypt. And at first, it was a good thing, you know, because there was a famine in the land. All right? They had to leave their homeland, and they had to go to Egypt where there was food. But eventually... The pharaohs kind of came that didn't know about Joseph and the, uh, the situation there, and the Hebrew people began to be enslaved. They were uh, this kind of ethnic minority in the Egyptian land, and they were kind of looked down upon, and they were eventually treated as slaves, and they were enslaved. And they were used to build the, the, the pyramids and the, begin to build things in Egypt. So God, he raises up Moses to rescue his people from a life of bondage and slavery in Egypt. And Moses becomes kind of a picture of, a, of, of Jesus coming to rescue us from our slavery and bondage. Moses leads the people out of Egypt. He leads them through the Red Sea. Red Sea was even a picture that some use as a, as a picture of baptism. There's baptism or, or walking through the Red Sea. We're, we're passing from darkness into light. He re, leaves them, leads them out of bondage and into his plan. His goal was to lead them into the promised land, but there was a delay, and we'll get to that. But there was a deliverance in scene two. God rescued his people. Exodus 3, verses 7 through 8. Exodus chapter 3, verses 7 and 8 kind of give us a good verses to think about this scene. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I have come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of that land into a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Perizzites, Termites, and all those other ites. Bzzz. Anytime I read that, it just kind of gives you that creepies, you know, like all these ites. Like, 
<clears throat> what kind of ites are crawling on me? They were in bondage, but God heard their cry and he delivered them. He rescued them. Scene three, covenant and law. Are you doing all right out there? Do we need to do some jumping jacks? I know this is like, there's a lot of information. All right, let's do some, uh, <clears throat> what can we do? Something to get your blood pumping, huh? Nothing? Okay, we're good. Scene three, covenant and law. God embraces and instructs his people. Four books cover this section, Exodus 19 to 40, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Here we see God beginning to organize and form his people into a nation, all right? Not just a nation, but here's a repeated theme throughout today is a holy nation, a nation set apart, distinct, unique, because they were surrounded by all these pagan nations, all right? These nations that worship many gods, okay? And that day it was trendy, it was cool, it was... It was popular to believe in many gods, all right? That was, that was what society was. The Israelites come on the scene, and they become that first civilization where there's one God, all right? Monotheist, monotheistic or monotheism. But all the nations surrounding them were polytheists. They were believed that all kinds of different gods, the sun gods, the rock gods, the tree, you know, all these things, and all they had to have all these pantheons of gods so god raises up his people he organizes them and forms them into a holy nation distinct from the nations surrounding them god used moses to instruct and to lead his people in the ways of holiness so we see there's laws there's a priesthood there's a sacrificial system that were instituted as part of god's covenant relationship with his people Leviticus 11.45 says it this way. Leviticus 11.45. God says, I am the Lord who brought you up out of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, be holy because I am holy. Be holy because I am holy. So in that old covenant, Old Testament situation, that holiness was derived by doing certain things, all right? They had certain laws and rituals and pure, pure laws of purity and ceremonial laws, and, and they had to do certain things, and there was sacrifices, and there was offerings, and there was all kinds of things. It was part of that distinction and holiness. Today, we, we get our holiness from Jesus, right? His blood and his righteousness becomes our righteousness, so that's why today I didn't bring in my pet sheep today, all right? I didn't bring in that, bah, so to sacrifice for us today because our lamb, our pure, perfect lamb was already sacrificed on that cross. See that white line? That's a, that's a cross back there. I know some people, where'd the cross go? The cross is there. It's bigger. Jesus on the cross is our sacrifice. And he still says, even the New Testament is, be holy, for I am holy. Be set apart. Live differently. Think differently. Be differently than those around you. Let's bow our heads and ask the Lord's blessing today. Jesus, I can't help but notice that repeated emphasis today.
to be different, to be set apart. It's okay. Maybe today you're going to walk out of here and be like, it's okay to be different. It's okay not to look like everyone. It's okay not to live like everyone else. It's okay not to raise your kids like everyone else might raise their kids. It's okay to not participate and do certain things that maybe other people do. It's all right. Our concern is not about others and what they're doing. Our concern is what God's calling us to do. What is Jesus calling you to do? How is Jesus calling you to live out your faith? Jesus, help us to live differently. Help us to walk differently. Help us to think differently. Even if everyone in our job talks a certain way, acts a certain way, takes certain shortcuts or does this or that, and oh, no one will know or no one will find out, but Lord, help us to be people of integrity, to do the right thing. family members, that it's easy to get caught up into certain things. Jesus, help us to do the right thing. To walk with you. Jesus, bless your people today. We thank you in Jesus' name.